This is Anatomy of Addiction. I'm Marilyn Spiller, introducing our newest podcast, Focus First Responders. Today, I'm interviewing the host, Matthew Van Leer, Director of Safety and Transportation at Sanford Behavioral Health. Matt is a 29-year veteran of the Ottawa County Sheriff's Department and a person in long-term recovery. He has a lot to say about stigma, coping with stress as a first responder, and what's in store for his new podcast. As always, we're sponsored by Sanford Behavioral Health in Greater Grand Rapids, Michigan, 844-776-9651. And without further ado, here's the show. Hi, Matt. Hi, Marilyn. How are you today? I'm good. Why don't we start this morning by just talking about what your role is at Sanford Behavioral Health? That sounds good. So I am the Director of Safety and Transportation for Sanford, and my office is based out of the Sanford West campus located in Mark. Uh, my responsibilities uh, cover the safety and security of not only the clients and the visitors and the staff, but also the grounds of the, the properties and then also uh, navigating the uh, massive amounts of transportation that uh, are required for a facility like ours. You talked to me about your group being called ambassadors, or you call them ambassadors. What, why is that? So the safety team uh, is comprised of, it's a 24-hour team. We're here every single day, uh, every single night, all year round. And my team it can be found making initial contact with our clients when uh, they arrive at Sanford West, whether it be for um, our acute detox unit or our residential treatment. So my team will ultimately be that first person that somebody who's looking to get into recovery meets. It seems like there's a lot of empathy involved in that job. I know you told me before that you you have to inspect our patients' belongings for contraband, but that you try to get personal products and their personal things they brought with them to them as soon as you possibly can. Yep, that is correct. Now Coming into into recovery is is a, a nerve wracking situation for many of our clients, and we found that our clients will often bring uh, items with them that uh, can be very therapeutic for them. So, what my team uh, makes every attempt to do is to to get the belongings into the facility, and then we do search through the belongings and make sure there is no contraband, uh, weapons, narcotics, or alcohol making its way into the facility, and then take the remainder of the belongings belongings to get those belongings into the room that the uh, client is going to be staying in it while they reside with us. So I'm sitting here talking with you today because you are about to start a podcast for first responders. Yes, ma'am. And I think we should hear what your eureka moment was. <laughs> so it, it's kind of twofold. My career at Sanford started in uh, July of 2021 after I retired from the Ottawa County Sheriff's Department after 29 years of service service as a first responder. When I came to Sanford, there were discussions about a first responders program being opened here at West. And that really ignited a fire in me 
um, being a person in recovery myself uh, and knowing that there is such a stigma attached to being able to open up and address the recovery in that world, the thought of being able to have that type of program here in West Michigan really excited me. And as any typical company goes, it's busy, things get moving, directions change, and, and that vision wasn't necessarily put in a back room, but it was put on a back burner as we continue to move forward with, with our acute detox and our eating disorder and, and our PHP programs that we currently are running. But it never went away, as I mentioned. It was always still there. It was always something that I, I continued to dream about. And I was coming into work one day and due to my work schedule, I'm now in a place where when I attend uh, an AA meeting, I have to do it virtually. And I was feeling just a little bit of burnout from um, the virtual style as opposed to the in-person style. So I decided to drop into a podcast instead. And I uh, dropped into a podcast um, that is put out by That Sober Guy. And within a few minutes of listening to that podcast, I had, it's like an explosion of light in my brain thinking, why don't we start the first responder program with a podcast? Let, let's get that fire ignited again, see what comes of it. So I, I got to work and fired off an email to the powers that be and, and pitched this wild and crazy idea that I just couldn't get out of my head. Uh, lo and behold, it was well-received and here we are today. Let's go back to the, the beginning and, and just define what is a first responder. The what we're looking at is reaching out to to first responders. Um, that would include police officers, firemen, any type of EMS, you know, paramedics, dispatchers, anyone involved in a first responder style of work, military. That that's who I am hoping to reach out to. That that is the group of people that I hope to give hope to by sharing my experience, strength, and hope in recovery. And and hopefully some courage will come out of this podcast so that others can can uh, step up and seek a better life in recovery. My initial email of, of that explosion in my, my brain, it was all these ideas that came through of, um, I know other uh, first responders that are actively in recovery. And I thought, man, it would really be nice to, to interview uh, another first responder who is still on the job and in, is in recovery and give hope to others that may be at a place where they, they're ready to jump off and they just need that little bit of encouragement to say, hey, it's going to be okay. My brain continued to move forward. I'm thinking I could talk to you know my former sheriff, I could interview my wife, I could interview you know my neighbors, my my closest partner at the sheriff's department, who was uh, we were close friends when I was in active addiction. He stuck by my side as I went through uh, my initial recovery, and and we're still very close friends today. And and I would love the opportunity to be able to let him share his side of the story, so that we can get not just the story of the person in recovery, but how did that affect the people around them. And you have a firsthand view of some of the um, exigencies of experiencing a mental health issue within the sheriff's department. Correct. What is a typical way a first responder who's experiencing some sort of mental health issues might seek help? And what are the barriers to getting help? Stigma is the big word. And that's been a part of the moving forward in this program is how do we break the stigma? Having the courage. I didn't have the courage. I, I, I knew I had a drinking problem. I was 100% confident I did, but I didn't have the courage to step up and say, this is what's going on with me for fear of that stigma. 
oh, well, we can't work with that guy or oh, he can't hack it. I was afraid to turn to the employee's assistance program because there is an underlying fear that an employee's assistance program is directly tied to the human resources department. Thus, anything shared at an EAP could get back to the employer, gets back to the employer, then what happens to your job? So a lot of it's fear-driven. Um, and the reality is it was stuff that I made up in my head that never, ever came true and doesn't come true. It was just based on, on things I had heard. Well, that's one of the barriers is I, I think for, for first responders is there isn't a safe environment um, that is provided to people in this line of work, plus putting, putting them into a place where they stay in that dark closet. It seems that this is particularly difficult for first responders, given that it takes a certain kind of person to, to do the job that they do. Yeah, and the, the reality is, and this was a, hard, a bitter pill for me to swallow when I first got into recovery, having an, an addiction like I did with, with alcohol is a mental health issue. And for me to sit in a room and say, I have a mental health problem, absolutely not. I didn't have a mental health problem. I was just a drunk. Only reality is I had a mental health problem and I used alcohol to mask that. Trauma is that gateway drug to addiction. I didn't know how to handle trauma, the trauma that I'd gone through and the stuff I was seeing on a daily basis. So I turned to the easiest and simplest way, which was was drinking. And in our line of work, that's not abnormal. We would have instances at work and then people would just go out to the bar afterward and we'd be sitting at the bar cracking you know, sideways jokes about it and laughing. And, and that was our way of dealing with it, which isn't a healthy mode of, of dealing with trauma opposite of what we need to do. But again, fear that stigma of being that person that needs to sit down and talk to a counselor and can't handle what we have to do on a daily basis was what kept me in the dark. And you seem to think that some of your fear of stigma was unfounded. Oh, absolutely. My bottom was a forced bottom. My matter was made public. My name was was fairly well known in in the media for a short time um, due to the issues that I was going through. So I had to deal with that also. The fear of walking down you know, the aisle at the supermarket and people whispering, oh, there's that guy that's on the news. Oh, there's that deputy. I had to get over the fact that people weren't talking about me and I was making it up in my head. And what the reality was is as I, as I continued through recovery and began to live my best life and my true life without having alcohol in it, I found that that was all unfounded because I was doing things the right way. I was I was staying sober. I was living my true life. It doesn't does not to say that there weren't hiccups along the, the road mm-hmm. of recovery because early recovery is never easy. The this whole thought of my world's going to implode because I suddenly I'm getting sober. It was not true. I found that the relationships, the true, my true friend relationships grew much stronger and that the relationships that were based off of um, purely alcohol kind of fell to the side. <laughs> Again, my my bottom was made very public. I needed to face up with the with the choices I was making in my yeah, life. Sometimes that is the best thing that a, can happen. A forced bottom <laughs> is yes, can be the best thing. I was put in a, in a place where I needed to sit down and have some very hard conversations at a very early time in in recovery. But I think that was for the better. We as addicts will do anything we can to. I mean, we'll do what we need to when our ass is on fire. And once that's gone, we kind of go back to our old exactly our old way of uh, living. And fortunately, my ass stayed on fire for quite some time. So um, your circumstances required that you deal with this in your whole community. Yes. You mentioned stigma, fear, safety, but what about stress? 
you know, we hear all the time that the pandemic has exacerbated mental health issues across the, the board. That has to be tenfold for first responders, what, what we've all been through in the last couple of years. Well, the, st- the statistics are out there that um, substance abuse has grown extremely large in during the pandemic. And I, I was employed at the time during the pandemic. And fortunately for me, being in recovery at that time, it wasn't, I was in a place where I could handle uh, a lot of the stress that was going on a healthier way, as opposed to drinking. At work, we were responding to more types of events involving drugs and alcohol. I saw firsthand that the use was up and that uh, due to a lot of the stress in the job, people that I worked with appeared to be using more often than before. Is, Is just getting this out in the open part of what helps? First responders just experience things that other people don't experience and then have to go back to their regular life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of part of active recovery is is um, talking about um, the things that you dealt with and being able to, to get that out helps reduce that stress. It's doing it in the appropriate way. Sitting around the bar stool for me originally was the appropriate way, but I realized that that wasn't true, that I needed a better, a better way to work through the stressors, whether that be discussing it with um, my wife or a family member, my therapist through a group, whether it be a men's recovery group or um, through Alcoholics Anonymous. I had obtained a lot of tools to use where I would was able to deal with stressful situations um, without having to turn to a substance. And that's not to say there weren't times that I thought about it. When you're in active recovery, thinking about going back to drinking or using is part of recovery. It's what you do with the tools you were given before that thought comes into your mind that directs what's going to happen next. And fortunately, I've had a lot of support and, and was in a position where I didn't go back to that type of, of lifestyle. What was your path? You've, you've mentioned therapists, AA, men's groups. Once the cat was out of the bag, what, what happened next? I went into uh, initial counseling uh, and then joined a handful of different men's groups. Um, I went to rehab out of state for a week. Why out of state? Uh, stigma. <laughs> well, not to mention there, the, there, there just isn't a first responders program. And not that I was looking specifically for a first responders program, but there wasn't a safe place for me to go. And that's why you were excited about the possibility of, of Sanford Behavioral Health establishing Offering a safe, absolutely. So I, I left state. A, the recommendation of my therapist was to go to location that I went to because of their program. But B, for me, it was a long way away and nobody would know who I was. And then I could come back to Michigan and nobody would be none the wiser unless I chose to share that, which which I have not kept quiet. I have shared it from the beginning that that I I sought help outside of just local. Uh, I got into inpatient for about a week and then came back and continued on the path of, of multiple meetings. And ultimately about a year and a half into recovery, I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous by who was then going to be my first uh, sponsor. And the, the truth of the matter is, is I only went because I got sick and tired of him asking me to go. Um, I had no intentions of going. Again, it comes back to the word stigma. A, I didn't need to go. Why do I need to be there? And B, I don't want to put myself into a public meeting, well, an anonymous public meeting with other 
other people that might recognize me. But that's what I needed, again, to keep me accountable for my drinking. It's real, the fear of disclosure. You could be sitting next to someone you gave a speeding ticket to. The truth is I have co-chaired a meeting with somebody that I arrested. I've stepped into meetings with people that I had negative interactions with, and I've stepped into meetings with people that I've had positive interactions with, people that I've worked with, friends of my wife, just friends. So it's it's amazing that when you finally have the courage to walk through the door for the first time, the true love and acceptance and family feeling you have at a meeting. And AA meetings or any meetings are not for everybody. Um, I will never be the one that uh, that says AA is the only way. Um, I'm open to any type of, of recovery if it works for you. I've always been the type of person that, that says, you know, go to a couple of meetings, pick up what you what works best for you, and you and make your program work as long as you know you're, you're following the twelve steps because that's what worked for me. Haven't you said before that you found listening to those people that you didn't agree with also helped you through that whole process? Yeah, absolutely. Birds of a feather flock together. I guess is the easiest way to 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 say it. And when you when you have, and I'll go back to my job as a police officer, and we all thought the same. I was not going to learn anything new if I chose to hang around with people that thought the same way as me. So my first sponsor, I had a criminal history and I needed that. I needed my, I needed somebody in my life to help me open my eyes and see things from a different direction because my way wasn't the highway. I mean, the term we used, my best thinking got me where I was at. Well, I didn't want to use my best thinking if that's what was going to do and keep me stuck in a, in a world of, of using. Even into my, my sponsorship for sponsees, what I've said is I, I've had other people that have been in a first responder position that have come to me and said, will you sponsor me? And I, I refuse to do that because we think the same. And I encourage them to find somebody outside of this line of work to help open their open the doors for, for complete recovery and, and give them the opportunity to see the world from the other side. Because a first responder for me, as being a first responder, I saw my world one way. And it, that's not the way that it is. And getting into recovery helped open the window to see everything. What is your goal for this podcast? The ultimate goal is if one person listens to this podcast and that one person is at a place, a jumping off point where they uh, are thinking, maybe I really need to to get some help. If this podcast motivates even one person, I've been successful what I need to do. I'm hoping that we will be able to bring in uh, several other people to give their perspective of first responders in recovery, even if it's a negative perspective, because that's the biggest thing I need to have is is have somebody come in and, and give us the other side of that. You know, we we here at Sanford minimally, I mean, we, we have the opportunity to provide recovery, a very safe, welcoming environment for, for first responders um, that, that goes from inpatient all the way down to telehealth. I mean, we, we offer everything here. And uh, the reality is we've had first responders here. I'm just hoping people get it, get take something away from this, get into recovery, and then utilize some type of uh, measure whether it be inpatient, uh, intensive outpatient, down to telehealth to move forward with their with their treatment. So get the message out that there's a safe environment for um, first responders who feel yeah. like they need help. Correct. And certainly people that you're going to have on the, the, the podcast might do it anonymously. Yes, absolutely. The, the big thing is if somebody has something to say and they want to be anonymous, we, we would 100% uh, provide that to them. Okay. From Sanford's standpoint, I think we're 
stand ready to create a specific first responders program, certainly starting with telehealth? My personal answer for me, in-person meetings work the best, for, but that's for me. Mm-hmm. I like having the community where I can reach out and touch somebody that they're next to me. I can feel their, their energy. Um, the, the energy for me in an AA meeting, the energy in the room is amazing. There is just an energy that goes along with it that when I walk out of, of a brick and mortar meeting, I'm in a different place, but that doesn't work for everybody. And that's okay. hundred percent. Okay. Some people are straight up virtual virtual meeting. I attend uh, is, is comprised from people from all over the world that just find that the virtual side works better for them. And that's wonderful. And and I think if we we are ready to launch the, the telehealth style, that's great. But we are also in a position where if we need to offer more, we're able to do that. Exactly. You'll be hosting our First Responders podcast. What's on for your first episode? So I have a verbal commitment of another first responder um, who is in recovery who wants to join and share their story as to um, where they were, where they are, and and where they're headed. They're actively working as a first responder. They now. they are. They and are actively openly working. in recovery. Openly in recovery. Awesome. Yep, absolutely. And this person's story, and I don't want to steal this person's thunder, but <laughs> but the transformation in this person from the day they came in to recovery has been amazing. Promoted at work into a leadership position. A very very strong recovery program. And I, with this person coming in, it's our opportunity to, I'm able to share a recovery perspective from a retired first responder. This person is able to, to, to share what their life looks like as a current first responder in recovery. And then from there, it, I have another, a nonprofit group that works with military PTSD and recovery through nature. They, it's, it's more of being out in nature and doing Doing physical activities. Um, I'm hoping to to bring in other coworkers, as I mentioned earlier, and, and family that are, are willing to 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 share their side of the story. Everybody needs to to know someone who's walked that path mm-hmm. and provide some lessons, I guess. And, and it's that's actually very important. It was in early on in my AA meetings, I walked into a meeting and somebody that I worked with was there. And that was one of those events where it really made me realize I was in the right place. What I thought was going to be a very uncomfortable situation in my head, I made up if I ever walk into a room and there's somebody there that I work with, I'm going to be really uncomfortable was not true. And it was very warm and welcoming. And and, um, we have a very good relationship today. And we actually laugh about we kind of chuckle to ourselves about how life was when we both worked at our former employer and or where we are now. And the reality is that this person actually helped me in retaining my employment when things went south. Well, thank you very much. I yes, usually try you. to end on a super high note, a hopeful note. If you were standing in front of a group of first responders who were struggling, what would you want to say to them that's upbeat <laughs> yeah you, you know what i think i think the for a simple answer i would want them i would want to say something along the lines of that that um, if you're struggling have the courage to reach out because i use the term life is better on the other side of the bottle and i've used that with with clients that come here and friends uh, that ask me straight up how is things going life is better on the other side of the bottle uh, it truly is uh, a miraculous place to be when you don't have to stare down the neck of that brown bottle on a daily basis to get through another uh, uh, another day in your life. I think that's a high enough note. Thanks very mm-hmm. much, man. Thank you.